Good morning again, everyone. Good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you. Good to get today, we're back in our series of two Peter, and uh, we're going to be looking at uh, a few interesting things. But before we do that, I'm just going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we praise you for your word. We thank you that it can move mountains. We thank you that it's all powerful and that you hold all authority. Lord, I pray that as we look at it together now, that you'd uh, grant us insight and wisdom and help us to understand more of who you are and how we can serve you better. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Right then, I don't know what days in your life that you've celebrated as your day. Maybe it's a milestone birthday. Maybe it was a graduation. You graduated from uni and that was your special day. Or maybe it was your wedding day. I wonder what preparations were involved for that. What emotions or anticipation you had as you waited for that day to arrive. Well, on this day, uh, November 5th, 12 years ago, I was in London eating an English breakfast with some of my best friends. And uh, meanwhile, Katura was not eating a fry-up. She was focused more on dresses and flowers and doing her hair because she, she, we were waiting to get married. It's our wedding anniversary today. So... And it really was an amazing day. It really was a great day. But our passage today focuses on an even greater day. A day that's yet to come, the Lord's Day. And this is when life as we know it will come to an end and things change forever as Jesus returns. And we have to ask ourselves, are we ready for this greatest of days? Well, last week, Martin finished chapter two, addressing the problem of the false teachers, the saboteurs of the faith, and those who dazzle others with their teaching, speaking loud boasts of folly, and uh, exploiting others with their false words and also causing a lot of damage through that. In our passage this week, Peter moves on from these saboteurs to talk about the saints and the scoffers, all of whom need to take the truth about the future seriously. And we're going to look at three reminders that Peter highlights in this passage. Remember God's word, remember God has kept his promises, and remember that God will keep his promises. So firstly then, remember God's word, know the truth about the future. Uh, how often, when you write a letter, or maybe more often an email, do you write something like, I wanted to let you know that, or I'm writing to inform you that, a clear, concise reason for writing, and a summary that focuses your recipient's mind so that they can in the midst of all the other information you're giving them in the letter, they don't miss the main point. They can focus on the main point. And that's what Peter does here in this first verse. This is how the second letter that I'm writing to you, beloved, see that the word beloved repeated throughout the chapter here is a personal greeting, personal uh, way of writing from Peter. He's, he's showing love to the church congregation and his friends there. I'm writing to you to say, uh, to stir up your sincere mind, or as the NIV puts it, to stimulate wholesome thinking. 
Wholesome thinking, as we see later in the chapter, will then lead to wholesome living. And, you know, sincere thinking will lead to sincere action, sincere change. As we've seen already, Peter has his mind on the final day of judgment in verse 7. The day when there will be destruction by fire. It's going to be the most public of events that will affect the whole world and people of all generations. And God's told us clearly throughout his word that Jesus is coming back. And it's important that we remember that focus uh, and that we think about that because it will affect how we live our present day life. I mean, think about a book or a film where it doesn't quite make sense what someone said or a character appears and you think, who's that? Or they say some words that are puzzling to you. And it's only revealed in the last chapter or the last pages of the book or the final scene of the movie and then it starts to come together. Then the ending becomes clear. And for us, we know the ending already. We know that, it's, that it is uh, dangerous to become short-sighted and not to remember the, the truth about the future. Because only those who can see what the future holds can make sense of the present. Only those who know what the future holds can make sense of the present, the pain, the suffering, the injustice, and also the love and the beauty in the world that we can see and experience now. So Peter urges the saints to recall all of God's word, the predictions of the prophets, all the way to the commandments of Jesus through the apostles in verse 2. And uh, what is the job of the prophets in the Old Testament? Well, the job of the prophets is to point people back to God. To point people back to God. The, the prophets were the mouthpiece of God and their job was to point his people back to him. And then think of the apostles. God did amazing work in their lives. Peter, for example, the author of this letter, was completely changed by God when he went from denying Jesus to actually being crucified for his name. So there's a, a warning here not to get distracted because if we then are forgetting the power of God's word, um, we need to remember that it's living and it's active. It's powerful to teach, rebuke, encourage and guide us. And in the call to worship we declared that the heavens and the earth will pass away but the word of the Lord stands forever. So don't forget the power of God's word, but remember it, let it shape your thinking. Now, there are so many things that are important that mean that our lives get busier and busier. And we can constantly be bombarded with messages and emails, all that need responding to right away. And we can easily get sucked into scrolling through social media, YouTube, the news, or whatever it is to find that next online purchase, or we're just busy with maybe meetings, school runs, maybe studying, and then there's all our hobbies on the side. Do we ever find ourselves thinking that we've got time for God's word? Do we ever have time for the quiet time in the morning? There are people who are less busy than us who maybe can do that. Or maybe we can, um, maybe on the way to work you think, oh man, how can, I, how can I use my time wisely? I just don't have the time. But surely, if we love God and we put him first, 
we can make a bit of time for him in our day, surely. I mean, we should give him our whole day, shouldn't we? Um, but you might think, oh, well, you know, um, how can we learn things and remember these things from the Old Testament if we don't have time to go over it? But surely um, there's, there's plenty of opportunities in the modern day that we have to put on, a, even if you don't have time to read, you can listen to God's word. We can listen to podcasts. We can, we can um, find time just to speak to our friends, uh, other Christians about the Lord. So there is always time. And, and uh, yeah, if the youth have got time to rehearse for the youth band, then I'm sure we can find time to, to uh, do a quiet time with the Lord. Okay, so the other thing is letting God's voice be the loudest in our ears. With all these other things going on, so much happening, um, we need to be aware that there's people, we'll be looking at this in the next point, who maybe try and hijack the truth. And you might think, well, yes, that's okay, that's fine, but there's some parts of the Bible that I'd rather not focus on, Reese. especially bits like that, uh, like this, sorry, that, that are about judgment. You know, then there's God's wrath and hell. Why can't I just take the bits that I want to read? Why can't I just pick and choose what I feed myself in my quiet times? Well, as a parent of small children, if I let my children choose what they would eat, one of them would just choose chocolate, or they would just eat chocolate all day. One of them would just choose cheese, funnily enough. Um, and they might enjoy it. They might be happy to um, eat uh, these, the, whatever they want, but it wouldn't be good for them, would it? It wouldn't be healthy for them to eat just these, these one, uh, this one thing or these two things. Uh, and so we all need to, we, sorry, we need to read all of the Bible, the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, hard bits and easier bits, and it's all God's word. We need um, to read it all to be transformed by it, to be renewed uh, by it and to help it, allow it to renew our minds. And that's the thing, sometimes we have to spend time on it and chew over it, meditate on it, because it is harder to look through. Um, but that will benefit us, that does help us um, for eternity. Just think for a moment, um, who spoke most about judgment? In fact, more than anyone else put together in all of scripture, it was Jesus. And the end of history, uh, the end of the world is extremely important to Jesus and it needs to be important to us too. Uh, but also be warned, Peter is saying, it's not going to be easy because there are scoffers. There will be those who've forgotten the power of God's word and who will instead follow their own evil desires we hear in verse 3. So it's guaranteed that for um, Peter's original audience and for us today, as Christians living with nothing else uh, needing to happen between now and Jesus' return, that there will be those that we meet that will laugh and mock God's word. They'll boil everything down to their own feelings and experiences, seeing the world through their own eyes and applying their own wisdom to the now and to the future. I wonder if, uh, who the people are in your life that don't take God's word seriously. Maybe it's a work colleague or a family member. We need to be on our guard um, so that when we're listening to them, and when we're listening to their thinking, that their words don't um, damage our way of thinking or, or our way of viewing things. That they don't distract us from the one who we should be listening to. And as Christians, our thoughts belong to God. 
we surrender our minds and our intellect to the Lord uh, when we follow him. So let's exercise that. Let's keep recalling the words of God throughout the whole of scripture. And let's keep building a biblical worldview to live by and to look to the future. Remembering that it doesn't end there, but Peter continues with uh, the remembering of how God has worked in the past to always keep his word. It's his next point. Remember, God has kept his promises. God has acted throughout history despite the scoffers. Now, in these verses, we see Peter bring out the contrast between the saints and the scoffers. The saints are urged to remember, whereas the scoffers deliberately overlook or forget. Verse 5. Now, Peter warns that the scoffers will mock the talk of the second coming. They will say, since the start of time as we know it, nothing's changed. People are born and they die. And that's it. They don't come back. They base their understanding on their experience. And in verse uh, 5, Peter goes uh, to the beginning, to creation, where God created everything by his word. Why is that important to highlight? It's because he's reminding his readers that history is not just a cycle or a circle that just keeps going round and round. But it is linear. It had a beginning when God created it. The, the Bible is clear. Uh, the life as we know it has started with creation and it will end with the second coming of Jesus. So history is the line of God's purposes being worked out and his community being assembled until Jesus returns. And God says clearly that man will die once and then the judgment will come, Hebrews 9. Now Peter then again highlights another historical event brought about by outside intervention, the flood. Verse 6, he says this, the flood was clearly an invent, uh, invent, sorry, intervention, uh, a judgment brought by God and there was a bunch of scoffers then. Why are you building an ark in the middle of the desert? That was the question, or others like it, maybe um, a bit harsher than that. But did God keep his word? Yes, he did. He did exactly what he said he would do. The scoffers were silenced, and God kept his word. Now, Peter says God's done it once, and just because uh, you haven't seen it happen in your short lifetime, it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen again. In fact, God says it will. So the scoffers resisted the warnings in history, not only the flood, but Sodom, the destruction of Nineveh, the downfall of Babylon. And it wasn't just them, was it? Jeremiah was mocked. Jesus was mocked. God's people were always uh, being mocked. And the, the apostles were mocked when others thought that they were drunk as they preached the gospel and spoke in tongues. So we need to look back to the heroes of the faith. For example, Abraham held on to God's promises longer than most of us have lived. God credited to him as righteousness and guaranteed that there were some people who um, I guaranteed there were some people sorry, who would have credited him with gullibleness as well for what he, what he believed. Can you imagine? Hey Abraham, I think you're going to sell your nice house here in Haran and give up your life and go and wander the desert area in the south and live in a tent. That can't be right, can it? Uh, sorry, God's told you that you're going to have a son? Oh, well, Sarah's quite old, isn't she? Is she pregnant now? No? Oh. And what's that? Your son's going to inherit the land you walk around. 
Wow, there's a lot of uh, big guys already there inhabiting that land, isn't there? Sorry, one of your descendants is going to become king of the world, really. And then destroy death and put it right. <clears throat> I'd love to read a book about that one day, see how it plays out. So every generation of people have their questions and their doubts and their wrestles with faith, don't they? We're living further on in history and we can see how these people's lives worked out. And that's part of the point that Peter's making. Look back at their lives, at their faith. See how God kept his promises. So we've got more of the picture and we find out reassurance that God does do what he says he will do. Clearly in the scriptures. And Peter encourages us to look at the predictions of the prophets so we can see his faithfulness in the word. And to be encouraged. He also wants us to take comfort that the scoffers were there throughout history and that they will be there before the last day of the Lord. So the scoffers say that everything just goes on as it always has and they think it's quite amusing. But the danger is that uh, the, the believers start to ask the same questions. They start to have a, a looseness in their view of scripture. Uh, and then what about the younger generations? Our children, our young people, how well do they know the scripture so that their thinking is shaped by it? And how familiar are they uh, with how God has kept his word over and over again in history? So this is a question for ourselves and for everyone else in the church. How amazed are we at the immense power of God's word to bring about what he says he will do? So let's uh, take comfort that scoffers are nothing new and that they will always be there until Jesus returns. And also let's not forget what God has done throughout history. Oh, third, okay, so thirdly then, not only has God kept his promises, but also uh, remember God will keep his promises. So God will bring final judgment on the world through his word. Have you been in a situation where a child is doing something dangerous and you're watching them and you're thinking, man, they shouldn't be doing that. So you, you just think, okay, I'll say something about this. So imagine they're swinging back on their chair and you tell them not to do it. You tell them that they shouldn't do it. You, you tell them why they shouldn't do it. Because if they keep doing that, it could end badly. They could fall backwards and crack the door open um, and that would be really bad for everyone. Um, but they keep on doing it, they keep rocking on their chair, and eventually they fall over and crack their head open, which actually happened to my son <laughs> one, one day. Uh, but it's, it's so frustrating because you've told them the outcome if they don't listen, and they don't take your words seriously, they're too wrapped up in, in what they want to experience, that, that feeling of just being on the edge, rocking back into whatever it is, that experience that they want to feel. Or maybe they've forgotten the warning. And this is a bit like the scoffers here. They have lost sight of the future that God has clearly uh, portrayed, that he's clearly promised. They've lost sight of the future that is clearly coming. So instead of taking God's word seriously, instead of looking back at history and seeing God's power in bringing about everything that he says he will, they've pushed aside the fact that God will keep on doing what he said. And in the final verse of this passage, verse 7, Peter highlights again God's word, his powerful word that will bring behind <coughs> the stage is set for the next judgment. And it's going to be terrible for the scoffers and the false teachers and for everyone who's chosen to reject God and his word. 
for them. As the fire comes, as they stand before the king of the universe, they'll face a future separated from him, and therefore from all of his love and all of his goodness. And on the other hand, for the saints, the coming of that day is comforting for us because it's when Jesus will bring uh, perfect justice, and it's the start of everything new. We've seen that God does um, what he says he will do, despite the scoffers. And so we know that God will bring right and put right all the wrongs that there are. There will be no more tears, no more sickness, no more war, no more strife, death. And the one who wrote the law, who never broke the law, sorry I'm not trying to wrap here, who fulfilled the law to restore us and his love to himself, is coming back. And he won't come like a baby in a manger. But the kings will all bow down in tribute to him again. And he won't have shepherds around him this time. But he himself, the good shepherd, will separate the goats from the sheep. And his sheep know his voice. And there will be a royal census, like the last time. But people won't go back to where they were born to be counted. They will either go to a place that's been prepared for them or a place that was prepared for the devil and his angels. And speaking of angels, like the first coming at Christmas, there will be a multitude celebrating the return of the king as he gathers up his people to live with him in glory forever. For the saints here this morning, let's not get distracted by the world and what they think. Um, but let's focus on what is to come and let that shape our lives now. So be ready to share the good news in, the, uh, in word and in action. And let's be ready to speak the truth in love, even to the scoffers. Now maybe you're sat here this morning and you don't yet follow Christ. Or perhaps you've scoffed at God's word. Well, this morning I invite you guys to take time to uh, look at God's word. Uh, ask questions. Come and, come and see myself or one of the elders. And we're happy to talk to you about it. Or uh, the corner, and the, 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 there's a team in the corner who are happy to pray with you if you like. But please do ask those questions because uh, they're questions that have huge answers and maybe huge consequences for us. Okay. So as we close, uh, we're not sure uh, when the end day will come, but in Christ we have a Saviour who's in control and will safely bring us through. So let's look forward to worshipping him and finally uh, free us from sin. In the meantime, we have the Holy Spirit who reminds us of the truth, John 14, verse 26. And as we close, even though we've been focusing a lot on uh, judgment, I just want to remind us of, of heaven. And uh, in the words of John in Revelation 7, it says this, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders were the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessed and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour and power and might be to our God.
forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray.